Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. And perhaps we should. Perhaps you have seen reports that are, they, they verge on unbelievable. But they are not false. On the contrary, Russian commanders of the Russian invasion forces in Ukraine are, of all things, murdering their own men. In various instances, this is leaked out, and that is of commanders murdering wounded men. Men unable to walk, unable to march, unable to engage in combat. Absolutely extraordinary. But this goes totally in agreement with the horrendous, monstrous, vicious, ruthless, murderous, rapacious, massacring that the Russian forces are choosing to engage in against the Ukraine people, against Ukraine's defense forces, but against Ukraine's civilian population as well. And, of course, many of Ukraine's defenders are civilians. But can you imagine Russian commanders murdering their own men and not engaging in the most heinous total war against Ukraine's citizenry? This is absolute, total confirmation of the worst reports, the most terrible, horrifying reports that have come out of Ukraine. It's total confirmation. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin still not getting the results that he expected to get. You know, back in February. And so he is now sending his most senior commanders to the field. And they should have arrived before now, based on when it was reported. But even though It has been reported that the invasion began on February 24th. That is actually not the case. As was true with Hitler's invasions, he invariably had advanced forces in the field. And it was reported previously by British Defense Secretary Ben Wallace that 
mobile crematoriums could be used by Russia not only to cover up their losses, but along with unmarked graves inside of Ukraine, to cover up the presence of the Russian invasion advance forces present in Ukraine prior to the announced invasion on February 24th. But Russia has resorted to everything in their war chest of horrors in attempting to destroy Ukraine. They certainly engaged in massive hacking of Ukraine prior to the official start date of the invasion. Hacking of the computer systems to take down the infrastructure in Ukraine. To try to effectively cripple Ukraine's ability to defend itself. The Western leaders, all the well-meaning, well-intended, socialist, leftist, cowardly, despotic, tyrannical Western leaders, they have entertained themselves with the idea, the notion, the concept, that this is an isolated incident. That it will not go beyond the borders of Ukraine at the absolute most. They have comforted themselves with these lies just as Neville Chamberlain did so long ago. But now Vladimir Putin has <laughs> greater ambitions than taking Ukraine, annexing Ukraine. You know, vilifying it as not being a real nation. It's all part of Russia, Mother Russia. <laughs> And therefore, everything is justified in bringing it back into the fold, just as North Korea has always insisted that it is merely engaging in seeking to reunify Korea. Not to destroy South Korea, not to enslave South Korea, but to reunify Korea. Even as communist China insists with Hong Kong and with Taiwan and so forth. But every day that goes by proves the lie to these things.
But again, the horrendous, monstrous murders, mass murders of Ukraine people, including children and babies, mothers and their children. What do you expect from invasion forces commanded by officers who murder their own men if they should be wounded and unable to continue the assault, the murderous assault of Ukraine? What do you expect? It goes right along with it. I mentioned previously more than once and in the previous message, I believe the immediately previous message, but certainly in prior messages about China's ambition, one of its ambitions. It has many, but one of its ambitions is to take Taiwan. And it has been stated that April and October are the optimal months for communist China to do that. For the communist Chinese regime, which enslaves mainland China, to invade Taiwan. But as I mentioned in the previous message or so, May also falls within that area. It is less predictable than April, but it still meets major criteria for suitability for amphibious operations, amphibious invasion operations. Here we have a couple weeks to go in the month of May. Hopefully, Communist China will not choose this particular moment to invade. But it's not to say that they couldn't. Because again, in terms of conditions suitable to invasion of Taiwan, May is also a comparatively suitable time based on things such as wind wave conditions in the Taiwan Straits and around Taiwan. And they are the same, the average wind wave conditions are the same in May as they are in April, low, (laughs) and therefore permitting of transporting enormous numbers of troops from the mainland to Taiwan. But there are other factors And it is viewed as being somewhat less suitable. But still, typically does not have major storms. So, 
I would not be faintly surprised to find out that communist China had initiated such invasion. But I am certain that the communist Chinese regime is continuing to monitor Putin's murderous total war invasion of Ukraine with great interest and paying great attention to the non-response, non-reaction of the Western superpowers. How many superpowers are there? Well, there's the United States of America, and there's communist China, and there's Russia. But then there are nuclear powers in the British Isles, Britain, France. And then there are comparatively militarily strong nations in Germany and Italy. And if recent history is to be a guide, you would certainly think that the German forces would be much stronger than the Italian in terms of the leadership, training, preparation, everything else. But they are not armed with nuclear weapons. But Britain and France are. So they are nuclear powers, too. Not viewed as superpowers, but compared to nations without nuclear weapons, they are. I mentioned in the previous program about China's specific persecution of Pastor Wang Yi, who was sentenced to nine years and is... (laughs) It's not a matter of nine years in an American prison, American federal prison, something like that. No. When Christian leaders and Christian congregations are sent to prison in China, they are not afforded the blessing of, you know, the horrible draconian imprisonment in the United States of America. No, not quite. But as I mentioned before, even though much has been made, a great deal has been made about the Uyghur Muslims, however that's pronounced, pardon me, but in Xinjiang, China, one individual, Dilshat Perhat Araman, was taken custody, taken into custody in 2018, and was released one year later. Terrible! And yet there have been legions, multitudes, of Christian pastors, associate pastors, assistant pastors, volunteer pastors, Sunday school teachers, nursery workers, volunteers of all kinds, and 
members of congregations who are not engaging in any (laughs) assistance to the church being taken prisoner violently and imprisoned for much longer than that. But the Western media never touches on that. It's like with Sudan. More than two million Sudanese Christians were slaughtered. Men dismembered and crucified. Nursing mothers' breasts hacked off so they couldn't nurse their babies. Children, the young children, taken captive. The older ones, slaughtered. The little girls, raped and enslaved as Muslim wives. The little boys, enslaved as slaves. Two million plus. And the Western media remained mute. They ignored it. Oh, but then Darfur. Oh, my word. Oh, there are some thousands, which got up to be tens of thousands, of Muslims who were preyed upon. And the Western media went bonkers, went nuclear. George Clooney got in the act. Oh, boy. Really became important stuff. But millions of Christians who were sadistically, monstrously destroyed And there was no response from the powers that be and from the major media elites and from the VIP celebrities. So too is the case with the Muslims in communist China as compared to vis-a-vis the Christian. But Daily Signal is a publication affiliated with Heritage Foundation. But Daily Signal is a separate operation. And I have permission to make mention of, quote, from stories in the Daily Signal. And I just make, you know, when I refer to Stories, I only, you know, do so in passing, take snippets. But dear Attorney General Merrick Garland, you know, (laughs) that wonderful man whom Barack Hussein Obama sought to make a U.S. Supreme Court justice, but whom now 
Barack Hussein Obama's right-hand man, Joe Biden, Uncle Joe, tapped to be attorney general. The chief law enforcement officer in the nation. He surely must be an outstanding man. Right? Absolutely outstanding. Of course, he issued an... somewhat controversial memo back in October 2021 in which he directed the FBI Federal Bureau of Investigation to get boots on the ground investigate local school board meetings crack down on anti-critical race theory Parents, parents in revolt against the leftist federal regime's agenda of indoctrinating the children. Yes, he has been the tip of the spear in this. our highest law enforcement official in the land. Now, the only things I took from this article here by Josh Hammer was just that the Attorney General Merrick Garland and the October 2021 memo. That was it. But in another... Daily Signal article by Mary Margaret Olihan referencing Attorney General Merrick Garland and his testimony before Congress back on October 21st, the House Judiciary Committee. He was questioned about his memo, and some (laughs) interesting facets pertaining to it. His memo was October 4th. And in that, he called on the FBI, the Justice Department, the Justice Department in charge of the FBI to address violent threats against teachers and school boards. But what precipitated this memo? On September 29th, the National School Boards Association, which is a leftist organization, lobby, whatever you want to call it. They requested of President Joe Biden to take action against parents protesting liberal, so-called, leftist, socialist, federal regime agenda school policies across the nation. And in response to that letter, Attorney General Merrick Garland went to work. 
the letter to him cited the arrest of a Loudoun, Virginia county man. Let me rephrase that. A Loudoun County, Virginia man. But Loudoun is also, I believe, a city, a town in Virginia. But in any case, Loudoun County. It cited his arrest. It chose, they chose, this wonderful organization. The National School Boards Associations. They cherry-picked any possible instances of violent threats against teachers and school boards. And at the top of their list... They had this instance of this man, this father in Loudoun County, Virginia, as purportedly threatening violence against school board members. The letter linked to the local news story. But interestingly enough, it did not happen to take into account that this man, this father, was objecting to the school board following his young daughter being raped, being sodomized is the term that's used, even though that is not biblically correct but raped in a school restroom by a boy wearing a skirt. That didn't factor in. That wasn't important to mention. You know, that extenuating circumstance, that context wasn't important to include. And when Garland was questioned about it, he said, I don't know anything about this case. That's a direct quote. Furthermore, quote, this sounds like a state case and I'm not familiar with it, end quote. Even though that was featured in this letter to him, which he admitted he responded to by sending out this memo to the FBI. Before I continue, permit me to say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and good and true in these programs is thanks only to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, unworthy, that is due to me. That is on me. That is my fault. But, again, the highest-ranking law enforcement officer in the land, as he is proud to refer to himself as, Merrick Garland, he readily references, admits to, responding to that letter, that that was 
cause for him to make his response that he did with this memo. And yet, he bald-facedly denied knowing anything about the case that precipitated that so-called incident, violent incident. And that man was arrested for speaking in an elevated tone to the holy, sacred school board regarding the matter of his daughter being raped at school in the girls' bathroom by a boy who purportedly identified with being a girl and therefore could attire himself as such and was entitled to use the girls' bathrooms. This this has been a cause celeb of the left for years now. And this was warned about from the beginning. But, oh, no, that was just inflamed rhetoric. That would never happen. (laughs) Of course. But. Meanwhile, the Loudoun County Public Schools Superintendent, Scott Ziegler, another pillar of truth, claimed, quote, the predator, transgender, student, or person simply does not exist. We don't have any record of assaults occurring in our restrooms, end quote. The father responded angrily to that. After the Loudoun County Public Schools superintendent, Scott Ziegler, claimed that the rapist did not exist, that there is no record of any assaults, euphemism, occurring in our restrooms. And the father became upset over that and was arrested for it. But again, dear old Merrick Garland insisted again. Quote, again, I don't know anything about the facts of this case. But derogatory words are not what my memorandum was about. End quote. This is a reflection of the honor and the honesty and the decency and the fitness for office of the highest law enforcement officer in the land. But 
the attorney general, he stated, quote, that there had been, I put the quote too soon, that there had been, quote, a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff, end quote. But when he was asked about it, he couldn't cite anything. He repeatedly referred to a disturbing spike, but he could not cite a single example. And he did refer again to reading that letter from this leftist lobby. And he just vaguely, generically referred to, we have been seeing over time But we read in the newspapers reports of threats of violence. Wow. (laughs) So the FBI, the Department of Justice, the Attorney General, his research on these matters consists of reading in the newspapers of threats of violence like this. Quote, As our country's chief law enforcement officer, I am committed to supporting law enforcement at all levels as they work to protect our country from these threats while also zealously guarding civil liberties and ensuring our own accountability to the American people, end quote. But, There's much more concerning dear old Merrick, including conflict of interest concerning his son, making money by providing services to schools, which are promoting critical race theory and anti-racism materials to schools all across the country. <laughs> but no, that's no, that is no conflict of interest. But while our AG is so zealously seeking to root out domestic terrorism while also protecting all citizens from (laughs) infringements of their rights. Of course, he could not be bothered to lift a little finger concerning firebomb attacks such as those against the Wisconsin Family Action Headquarters in Wisconsin, as is the name of the organization. But, no, that wasn't high on his list. You know, firebomb. I mean, one thing if it's somebody stands up in a school board meeting 
and raises their voice and uses a cuss word, they deserve to be carted away. The FBI needs to be there monitoring these things. But firebombings of pro-life, anti-abortion groups, no, that that's not uh, anything we need to be concerned about. That's not anything we really should get involved in. And on that note, high-ranking, high-profile, Roman Catholic Democrats in Congress fascinatingly have not been concerned about what has gone on in the wake of this leaked draft opinion from the Supreme Court. But... So what if there are threats to bomb churches and burn them down? Now, if these were black churches, <laughs> their response might have been just a, you know, just a trifle different. But these are Roman Catholic churches. These are major churches, such as St. Patrick's Old Cathedral in New York City. We have received a number of threats to bomb the church, burn it down. Very hateful and vile messages, but no response, you know, from from the good old Democrats, from the Attorney General Merrick Garland, from the president. No. And then finally, very, very, very belatedly, Somebody got the president's ear and said, you know, this really isn't looking good, Mr. President, with regard to reflection on you. And so the president did just such a strong, strong thing. And that is through his press secretary, Jen Psaki, or however it's pronounced, She tweeted, not that the president, but at POTUS strongly believes in the constitutional right to protest, but that should never include violence, threats, or vandalism. Now, this is concerning threatened violence outside of homes of Supreme Court justices that are coming down on the wrong side of this draft opinion ruling. But, which again is just in a draft state, but also concerning fire bombings, bombings of churches, fire bombings of churches, bombings of pro-life groups. But so the president covered himself, not by actually coming out and making a statement, even very, very, very belatedly. No, not that. Instead, he delegates it to his press secretary who sends out one pathetic tweet. (laughs) It's just it is just amazing. Uh, But that's the way it is.
again from Daily Signal, and this from mm, David Arsanyi. Apologies if the pronunciation is bad. And concerning push polling, polling done to push people this way and that way and the other way, very deliberately, deceptively, deviously phrased questions have been provided to those who would hopefully become responders to this wonderful polling. But he just posits the idea that perhaps the questions should be honest, above board, plain, spoken, things such as questions such as, do you support the Democrat Party's effort to legalize abortion through all nine months of pregnancy in all 50 states. He suggests that might be a question to ask, <laughs> you know. But other questions come to mind. Do you support the Democrats' efforts to prohibit states from passing laws that forbid abortions after viability? Do you support the Democrats' efforts to prohibit states from passing laws against sex-selective abortions? Do you support the Democrats' efforts to overturn existing laws that require parental or guardian notification for minors? Do you agree with Democrats that non-doctors, non-medical professionals, should be given the right to perform abortions? Whoa, brother. No, no. I mean, after all, they're supposed to be rare and safe and, you know, only conducted in the best facilities. You know, what has not gone on forever in a day. <laughs> but as but of course not. Of course not non-doctors. That's back alley abortions. And yet the Democrat Party is attempting to bring that about very explicitly in California under California Governor Grant Newsom to enable, to legalize non-doctors to perform abortions, to murder babies via induced abortion by hook and crook. Do you agree with the Democrat Party's efforts to strip medical workers of conscience of rights and force them to participate, compel them to participate in abortion procedures or lose their jobs? Do you support that? And he goes on to say, Democrats, including the president, Joe Biden, want to eliminate the Hyde Amendment, 
the Henry Hyde Amendment, so that the federal government can fund abortions with taxpayer dollars, which is exactly what Grant Newsom is doing in California, leading the way, proudly. Do you agree with the Biden administration that more abortions are vital in keeping down the poor population, increasing labor force participation so mothers aren't, you know, tied up with children, and helping the economy? It's all about the economy, stupid. Yeah. Great stuff, but... (laughs) Again, in the Daily Signal, concerning California's golden boy, Grant, or it's Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom, such a good man. Uh, He was, of course, once upon a time, mayor of San Francisco, but much more power as governor. And he announced... On May 11th, one week ago, that $57 million in California taxpayer funding would be used to promote induced abortion. That is in addition to $68 million extracted from taxpayers in California which he announced in January. Now, this most recent amount, the $57 million, includes $40 million to murder babies of low-income women. $15 million to subsidize pro-abortion political activism. How do you like them apples, huh? Government-funded, meaning taxpayer-funded, leftist, extreme leftist political activism. How is that possible? Well, when you have an absolute stranglehold on a state, the way the Democrat Party does in California— and in many other places. (laughs) New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Maryland, Massachusetts, Oregon, Washington, Illinois, Minnesota. And the list just goes on and on. But then you can get away with this unimaginable, despotic, tyrannical Activity. Extraordinary, but true. So $125 million in so-called state funding, in taxpayer funding, being spent in California to murder Babies to exploit and prey upon women and girls. What are some of the other gems that the Golden State, Golden Bear State, Golden State, that it's involved in under dear old Grant 
Newsom. Well, there's an organization, <laughs> state organization. It's a commission, actually. Commission on the status of women and girls, whatever that means. <laughs> and it would administer an abortion, an induced abortion, practical support funds, so-called. And would be able to accept any and all donations to sponsor abortion. So tax-deductible donations to sponsor Induced abortion. What does sponsor mean? Well, it means paying for induced abortions. And part of the funds are being targeted at women and girls coming from out of state to California for induced abortion tourism. That's right. Grant Newsom, back in March, I say Grant, pardon me. I don't know why I keep saying Grant, Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom, in March, signed into law Senate Bill 245, which eliminates insurance co-pays for induced abortions. And also, Assembly Bill 2223, which decriminalizes actions or omissions regarding perinatal death. Namely, the death of babies after they are born following unsuccessful abortions. Infanticide. Other little gems. Assembly Bill 2790, removing reporting requirements where doctors suspect abuse is taking place. That is, that the girls being brought to them to be subjected to induced abortion are being raped by those who are bringing them. As if the abortionists are going to report this anyway. (laughs) And they're nurses. But nonetheless... Assembly Bill 1980 sponsors scholarships for abortion training. Let's get more abortionists trained, but let's also permit non-doctors to perform them. Assembly Bill 2091 prohibits release of medical information related to violation of another state's abortion law in the process of abortion tourism. Assembly Bill 1940 grants abortion services in K-12 through schools. These grants go to pay for induced abortion services. It says in the schools. In the schools. Can you imagine that? Assembly Bill 2586 targets pro-life pregnancy centers as fake clinics. And the list just goes on and on. It is 
there were 45 policy recommendations made to the state government of California by the California Future of Abortion Council, composed of 45, no, make that 40, abortion activist organizations. And more than one recommendation per. 45 recommendations, 40 organizations, eight of which were Planned Parenthood affiliates. And Grant, Gavin, Newsom is putting them all into effect. Back in 2019, Gavin Newsom signed a proclamation welcoming women to California for abortion. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Thank you.